My name is Nathaniel Soyo, and this is who I am. guest today is the artist and creator Nathaniel Osoyo. Nathaniel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jane. Mm, thanks for coming down and thank you for bringing a bottle of Belgian white shock top. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an easy, nice, zesty drink. <laughs> mm. I don't know if it's actually Belgian or just Belgian style. Yeah, it's Belgian style. It's it's uh it's not real Belgian. No. But there are, I do like good Belgian beer. Yeah. I like Golden Drock. I don't know if that's Belgian. And then I like uh, Delirium. Mm-hmm. Have you had that one? I have had Delirium, yeah. That one's really good. Super yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah. I used to like, uh, I used to drink quite a lot of Belgian beer back when I was younger and could drink <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So um, you're an artist. You're a creative person. Um, did you grow up in L.A.? I grew up about an hour outside of L.A. Uh-huh. in Fontana, which is Inland Empire. Um, so Fontana is about an hour east. And um, I was born in L.A., raised out there for most of my life, like till I was 26, 27. And then I moved out here finally. Um, and um, L.A. was always kind of the emerald city for me mm-hmm. like we come over a couple of uh, uh hills on a couple of different freeways coming from that area coming out here to visit family now we would always see like like oh there's la like a half hour away you could see the city and it's like that was always cool to me so uh, even though i was like so close it was always it always felt like some like weird distant destination goal mm-hmm. thing um but short answer i did not grow up in la i grew up an hour outside but i i've been coming out here for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm. What was it like growing up in the Inland Empire? What would, what would you do? Suburbs. Um, I'm a fairly, I'm a fairly tame individual, so um, I'm not a big. Uh, maybe my friends will tell you different, but like I'm not a big partier. I never really got into like any kind of serious trouble like mm-hmm. growing up. So uh, lots of video games. Uh, my parents did a good job of putting fear into me when I was really young. So like, I didn't, I didn't explore a lot until a lot later in life. I'm a late bloomer in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, like, you know, good grades in school, never got in trouble. I was one of those kids mm-hmm. grew up reading comics. Um, so lots of, uh, introspective time, um, in, in my, in my room. Uh, reading comics, playing video games. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I would do out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't really start like going out and and uh, getting into nonsense until like college years. Right. Yeah. Mm. What was um what were comics newsstand available when you were younger or was it did you have a local comic store that you went to? Or? There were. I didn't have a local comic store. There's this place called Frankensons, which you might be mm-hmm. familiar with. Um, my my dad introduced me to comics when I was real young, just because at that time there were uh, the racks at the supermarkets, the turn, the turning ones, turnstiles, yeah. and uh, I would I would pick up a couple every every now and then. It would always be like one a week or one a month. It was it was pretty rare. We weren't like uh, we were the kids whose parents, when you went to the store, we would say, "Can we get this toy?" And parents would say, 
like, no, save your money because you don't know, or, or we need to save money or, because if we get you this, then later on we might not get you the thing that you really want. So they were really good at training us to not want things, which really, like, <laughs> saved them money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so, like, I would get comics pretty rarely from, like, supermarkets. Um, but when I found out about Frankenstein's, like, we'd go there and we'd get stuff, like, discounted and and get it like a whole bunch of stuff for 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 like uh, almost wholesale prices or what mm. it seemed like it was there were there were a lot of good deals there mm. um just because for for anybody that doesn't know Frankenstein's is a uh warehouse uh i think it's some kind of distribution center i don't actually know i should probably know more about it but there's a lot of comic book vendors and baseball card vendors and uh, uh, samurai sword distributors. People people <laughs> go there that set up shop and they can sell stuff a little bit cheaper than than what they would have to with their proper storefronts. Hmm. So uh, 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 Frankenstein's was a big uh, was a big resource for me even when I was really young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do yeah. you remember do you remember the moment where you were reading comics and you thought I can I want to do this or did that come later? Um, I don't really remember that that as a as a moment. Um, I remember, I vividly remember uh, thinking that, com- like so many others, thinking that comics were uh, recordings of actual events, mm. and um, like Spider Man surely fought uh, this alien carnage at some point in in the middle of New York, and all these other superheroes were there. And then, uh, like when I was like while while I was still at that age, like my brother would ask me, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd be like, Oh, I want to be Spider Man or Robocop or whatever. <laughs> and he's like he was like, You know there's not real jobs, right? And I was like, Ah, oh, like I got I remember being bummed out about that. Um and later on or maybe around the same age, somebody else, a few a few people had told me, like, Oh, you can make money making art. Like these are really good drawings. You should do that. You'll make a lot of money. And so at some point I, I, I put together that I could, I could do that and I could also make comics and, and, uh, do, do other things like make movies or whatever. But it wasn't like I was reading comics one day and said, Oh, I should make comics. It was, it was getting my hopes crushed that I couldn't actually be Spider-Man. And then somebody saying like, Oh, you can make comics. And I was like, well, I guess I could do that too. <laughs> so it was, uh, it's my, uh, it's my silver medal, mm-hmm. which yeah. I'm still going towards. <laughs> Um, but you're you're more of a like a uh, all round creative rather than a, a comic book creator. You're, you're more of an artist, and you, you could, just so happen to create comics as well. You could say that, yeah, definitely. Um, I do. I practice art as as much as I possibly can, and it's not just limited to comics. Um, and I don't even like saying limited because I I really like comics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I grew up on them, and and I make them regularly. But no, you're right. I do. Uh, I participate in art shows. I participate in in different events and anything where I can make something and uh, have fun doing it and uh, even potentially sell it. Then I'm gonna try and get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently being the uh, art show that I did at the Riverside Art Museum, where I had one of my latest books. Which, by the way, I brought one. Do you have the Shadow People are here? I don't know. Okay. So then this is yours then. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. There you go. Oh, thank you. Not at all. Yeah, um, tell us a little bit about this because this is quite interesting, what you, you've been doing with the, the book Shadow People. Um, so the Shadow People characters, I've made a couple of books with those characters. They are augmented reality characters. They're essentially 
Long story short, they're invisible friends, but using a free augmented reality app uh, with the book, you can see the invisible friends. So uh, the book reads two ways. It reads once where you can see this character interacting with what looks like nothing. And then if you're using your phone, almost like uh, special glasses that let you see the hidden stuff. It's very, it's very niche or it's very uh, novelty. Um, you, can, you can see those invisible friends. Uh, and that's actually what I did the art show of, um, which is terrible grammar. But um, the Riverside Art Museum uh, in October last year, 2016, I had original artwork from this book there and we had a book release or I called it a book signing and, and uh, it was during the, one of their uh, art walks out in Riverside. So people were coming in and I would sell the book and uh, I'd, I'd, do, I'd, I'd sign the book and I'd take people on tours around the museum to, see, to show them the original work and show them how it interacts with, with your phone. And then I'd also hidden uh, augmented reality characters, the shadow people around the museum itself and so I walked around and, and showed that to people too. Mm. So, how did you you come up with the idea for this? For the shadow people, yeah. um, one of my um, the the shadow people I came up with um, it wasn't it wasn't the goal wasn't to create the shadow people. The goal was to uh, somehow get my artwork on people's phones because mm-hmm. everybody is glued to their phone all the time. We're we're living in the world of Wally. Um, floating screens or not. Um, and I, I was trying to figure out how to get my art on people's phones because I'm, I'm tired of being a carnival barker at conventions and saying, Hey, come over to my table. Like I do that. And I know that that comes with it, but it's, it's a lot of work and it would be easier if people just knew who I was. So just pragmatically, I was like, how do I get my artwork here in front of their faces? And, um, so I started looking up, uh, different art projects that involved smartphones uh, one of those uh, techniques or one of the mediums of, I found was augmented reality. And then just uh, for a while, I was just kind of like uh, tumbling in my head what different ideas that I could use augmented reality with in a, in a story setting because I, I love narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy drawing comics, so sequential art is, is uh, that goes hand in hand, of course. Um, and I didn't. I couldn't figure out a, a proper story for that. Like I, I thought of ghosts and invisible men, things like that. Um, and one of my friends had said, like, "Well, you already have those shadow people characters. Those seem like those would work pretty well." And I was like, "Oh my god, you're right." So, um, so I uh, cranked out a shadow uh, shadow people story real fast. It was like, it's 16 pages. It's around 50 words or less. And that's the first shadow people book that I came out with about two years ago. Mm. Yeah. So the 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 idea for Shadow People, I already I already had the Shadow People. It was just the desire to make something that was augmented reality, and uh, those those two things just worked really well together. Yeah. How much work did went into to getting into the augmented stuff? Did you have to build your own? I did not build my own app. The app is free. It's called Erasma. Um, lots of art teachers use it. Mm. Lots of uh, commercial. Uh, they have a lot of commercial accounts. Like I know they they worked with Nabisco and uh, Best Western or Holiday Inn. I can't remember which one. Um, uh, AMC. There's a lot of different applications for it. Um, Disney. Uh, just for example, the AMC one. They. Uh, one of the videos they have online is somebody pointing a smartphone at a movie poster. 
that uh, the phone recognizes the poster and then plays the trailer to that movie mm-hmm. on your phone and a little button pops up for you to buy a movie ticket. Mm. And then that, uh, the AMC, uh, the, the movie theater will take money off of that. Of course, the studio will take money off of that, of course. And, um, the the app developers take a small percentage of that too so they have different ways of, of making money um the free accounts uh like the the accounts like um that art teachers use those are those are um those are really nice uh just just because they do the they do the things you want the one i use is the same kind that the art teachers use um and uh, like all of those accounts, they require you to use their name, like their app. Like you're not going to get your own special app mm-hmm. because you're not paying for an account. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. So I didn't have to build my own app. The actual art production time was, was pretty short. I, I was working on a dark mouse story and I found out about the technology or I found like, this is what I could use it for. And, uh, I cranked out that story as fast as I humanly or possibly could. <laughs> and then I had it for the next convention in, uh, I think it was like two months or uh-huh. something. It was real fast. Yeah. A lot of late nights though. Mm. Um, did you study art? Did you go to, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't go to uh, proper art school, but I majored in art in, uh, uh, uh college. I went to Cal state San Bernardino mm-hmm. again towards Fontana. Um, yeah, it's studio art major. I graduated with honors, which just means I can paint really well. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, uh, I've taken like a couple of summers at different at different uh, colleges. Like I went to Cal State Fresno for one summer because I, um, I, I applied for for uh, of all things an underground comics class mm. which is weird because like is it really underground comics if like if it's a class about it there's you're at a you're at a, a, a an education institution um, so that kind of like plays against it but like I whatever I went and I took that class and it was, it was really interesting I made some of my friends like that's where I met Evan mm-hmm. um, who you've met a few times at the at the conventions yeah. um, I took I've taken a few classes at Art Center College of Design right here in Pasadena um, when I was in high school, actually, my parents put me through a couple of the, uh, the high school programs that they have, which is, uh, called Saturday high. So on weekends or some evenings, I think also they have uh, high school classes. So high schoolers go in and take a college style class, mm-hmm. uh, which is really just, it was just like figure drawing for 10 weeks or so. Um, and those are, those are always fun. And I've taken a couple, couple of night courses there since, um, so yeah, I went to I went to art school, not at an art school, but I got an art degree at a at a commuter school. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you met Evan, and him, is that when you started to 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 make books for for going to conventions and for selling at conventions and for showing, um, or was it before then? Let's see. I met him around two thousand seven, and that year. Uh, a couple of people from the class had decided to go into San Diego to go in on a, on a table at San Diego Comic-Con mm-hmm. and he was invited and then he invited me and I was like, yeah, let's all go do this. Uh, little did we realize it was around five or six people doing this at a one, I want to say eight or I want to say eight feet because I just, in my mind, I want it to be eight feet, but I want to <laughs> say it was a six foot table maybe. No, because tables are always eight feet, right? So it was probably eight feet. I don't know. It, it, it seems to 
move around. And yeah, it varies from convention to convention. Definitely sections. Well, anyways, we were at we. There was too many people at one table in the small press section of San Diego Comic Con, and so, uh, needless to say, to say, it was uh, not a great experience, but it was definitely a learning experience because it was it was my first convention, and I realized like you shouldn't have too many things. There shouldn't be too many people. Uh, but also you have to learn how to make your money back too. So uh, more than anything, it was that definitely lost money. Um, I didn't actually start trying to go to conventions with uh, books regularly until 2010. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that. My first one was Long Beach Comic Con. And I forget how I heard about it, but uh, I I hit up Evan and, and or maybe he told me about it. Uh, I can't remember, but we both we both split a table there, and we that was our first one together um, with our own books. He took a he took uh, more or less a zine uh, with him called Tint, and I took my first comic, One Forty, which is my Twitter comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and One Forty was you yeah. would get people to to tweet right, right, something at you. Yeah, people would characters and exactly, exactly. People would tweet, tweet me, and then I would draw a comic around the tweets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never finished it. And that was there's like there's uh, four issues I think, and I can't even remember how many issues. There's four issues, <laughs> and uh, there was one there was one uh, person at a convention one year because like sometimes I would just like leave out a clipboard and say like hey write down something and I'm gonna take that and put it in my comic. And if it was longer than 100, 140 characters, I would sh- I would uh, shorten it and then just uh, shoehorn it in there. And uh, there was one one person one time was just like, was like ah, she saw me like a year after uh, issue four had come out and I had, I had like lost steam on that. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it again. So I put out a clipboard and like she just happened to come by the table again. She was like, I wrote down something for you a year ago. And I was like, I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I haven't done it yet. And I still haven't done it. So like <laughs> I just learned to stop putting the clipboard out there. I'm probably not going to finish it, but. It was fun. It was fun while I was making it, and mm-hmm. it's not like people are banging down my door to try and get the last issue of 140. <laughs> either. Uh, when did you start working on Dark Mouse? Dark Mouse was 2000. I'm gonna say 11. Mm-hmm. And Dark Mouse was um, was a zine, a mini comic that I made just uh, just as a gag. Um, I I had. Uh, I was also tabling with Evan at, at uh, the West Hollywood Book Fair, which mm-hmm. which we used to do also. Um, and I thought he had said something. Uh, I thought he had mentioned the phrase "dark mouse," and I was like, I was like, "Did you just say dark mouse?" And he was like, he was like, "No, what's that?" And in my head, I could already picture it. I was like, I think I know. <laughs> and then, like, I went home and I made the first mini, which is just like this this awful uh, like chauvinist uh, character womanizer uh, who's uh, got a drinking problem and, and he's violent and he gets into fights and um, and like that's all it was it was just like a gag and but it was it was real funny to me and I, I had a lot of fun making it so I made a second one and then I made a third one and so like I just kept making the minis um, but I made that around 2011 and I made at that point maybe like seven or eight maybe even nine. Uh, just mini comics. And, um, after a while I just got tired of cutting, cutting and folding. So I made a proper, uh, comic comic, which was, I used to know dark mouse and I had that printed and, um, yeah, that was a long answer to when I created dark mouse, 2000, <laughs> 2011. Hmm. 
But that's good. It's good to know. So, I'm a big fan of Dog Mouse. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's fun. And we we worked on something with him, and that's one of those one of those other books that I'm sorry, I've just lost steam on. And I want to do it, and I know exactly what I'm gonna draw for it. I just I just haven't done it yet. Um, but if you're still down, I'm still down mm, to do that. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. cool. Yeah. So that'll happen. Hold on to your seats, everybody. <laughs> it's gonna be great. And I just had I had an idea this weekend uh, for another not this weekend maybe last weekend uh, for another Dark Mouse story, and like Dark Mouse um, is so so easy for me because it, uh, I don't know why, I think I know why, but um, it's uh, uh, it's he's so fun to draw and it's so kind of easy to just like crank stuff out with him mm-hmm. and um, and I've uh, uh, I, I had the idea for a story last weekend. Um, that's going to also involve smartphones. Um, but I don't want to say too much just because like that's part, that's part of the fun of it. So when that comes out, that'll be, that'll be a fun game for everybody, hopefully. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's dog mass is one of those, it's, it's, it's such a simple design, like the, the actual, um, uh, the, the shape is just so quick and easy to get so much across. And, and oh yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that's definitely part of it, like just because um, that goes that goes hand in hand with like a lot of a lot of logic that I have whenever I make art. Um, if you can communicate something simply or in a simple way, then likely people will be able to. If you if you draw something and it's simple enough, people will be able to read it and understand it and digest it. Um, which is kind of like where I draw like these people characters from in the like shadow people book. Uh, the shadow people themselves are like these almost demonic looking shadowy, uh, 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 almost sinister looking characters. But the people themselves, like these little white shapes uh, with four limbs and the two dots for eyes, those are supposed to be people. Like I know they look like ghosts and I, I know they look like uh, whatever else. Um, but when I draw I was I was trying to come up with a way uh, a few years ago of the simplest way I could think of to draw a human or draw a person, and I didn't want to make a stick figure because that just looks like a stick figure that that reads one way, that, that reads not so much as a character it reads as a, a like the basic human drawing but like I also wanted it to be a character, mm-hmm. so I created this shape which was just like the outline for a humanoid, which is just like two arm looking things that end with a point and doesn't even really have to be a point. That was just faster for me to draw. And then it's just one shape that looks kind of like a human and then put in two dots for eyes. And that comes across as some kind of humanoid, some, some sort of person shape. And that's all I want people to read. Um, and with dark mouse, it's, it's, uh, uh, Again, not not complicated at all. It's a it's a human body with a mouse head, and you understand that it's like it's a mouse person. That's that's what it is. It's easy to get. I understand that. Let's move on. Um, and and I think it's so. Uh, what plays into that is that, um, like I was raised on mice, but also like so was everybody else. Mickey Mouse, Mighty Mouse, uh, Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under, um, Danger Mouse. Um, Fievel. Um help me out here. There's more. There's, <laughs> there's plenty more. Um, biker mice from biker mice from Mars. Yeah. Wow, nice one. Um, <laughs> the great mouse detective. Uh, the list goes on. You know, the the mouse is a uh, uh, 
a real common, oh, what's the word? It's not archetype. It's not device. Allegory? I guess, yeah. yeah maybe. Um, it's, a, it's a trope. I don't know. It's a, it's a common, it's a common uh, a character uh, a tool, I guess. I guess device. I don't know. Uh, people use mice characters a lot in, in story and in folklore. And um, I think using that uh, is, is helpful and it's, it's easy to digest because you've seen it before and you say this mouse character, you relate to it on some level because you've read that before, Stuart Little. Um, and, and, uh, you can, you can digest that. And this is just one of those mouse characters who grew up to kind of be an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of fun to read that because you've never really seen that secret of Nim. That's another one. Um, (laughs) it's like, you always, you always see these mouse characters, mouse mouse characters and they're virtuous and they're, 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 uh, honorable. Mm -hmm. And this one is just not. Yeah. (laughs) Only brave, small, exactly creatures. Yeah. Like the odds are stacked against them. They're vulnerable. You're, you're, you're afraid for them. And then they somehow they defeat the lion or whatever the story is. And in this one, he just gets, he, he, he beats up people needlessly and he gets beat up pretty, (laughs) pretty often too. Um, with, uh, shows, when you, when you started doing shows, you do them fairly regularly now, right? You're, you talking about the art shows? Uh, yeah. Um, started doing art shows like while while in college. Um, an art show like the term is can just be the 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 range is is huge. You can um, you can have a show in a friend's garage mm-hmm. and call it an art show. There's there's been a few of those, plenty for sure. Um, <laughs> there's been shows at galleries, um, uh, some high end, some not. Um, there's been, uh, pay to play shows, which are not fun. Normally they're great when you can sell some work there. Those are real nice. Um, but I do, I do art shows as much as I can. Um, nowadays I'm much more selective than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in, in art school or when I was in school going to, going to college on the weekends, I would make the trip out to LA almost every weekend because there's always an art show going on in LA. And so, uh, there are, there are people, uh, right now, like in our community that will go wherever they can to do a comic book show. There's, uh, some going on in Tulare I heard about, which is a real small town up near Fresno. Mm. Um, and you're going to go, you're going to drive like three and a half, four hours to, to, to show comics. And I would not do that, but I would drive an hour every weekend to LA to some crummy garage or to some crummy warehouse or to a really nice gallery if, if I was lucky. Mm-hmm. And then I would hang up at work, eat all the wine and cheese I could, <laughs> maybe sell a painting, and then go home. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that was that was art shows. And and now I I'm I've been working with people long enough to to uh, kind of. Uh, uh, see, see different fruits come to bear. Like, uh, the museum show, I didn't just walk up to the museum and say like, Hey, let me have an art show. Here's a cool book. Pretty crazy. Right. And, uh, I got that because I met, uh, I met a real nice lady named Carolyn Shutton who, um, who worked with me for some art show in Riverside in 2000. 10 2011 mm-hmm. and then uh she happened to be she happened to have a position at the museum last year and uh and, and for a couple of years and she had contacted me for a few projects and so i'd worked with them um uh regularly at that point uh, so i i i was able to do that because i had known her already for for a little while um 
And that's just, that's one example of that working out and me also trying to push comics in there or, or books in there at, at the very least. Um, so art shows, again, as much as I can, but I'm also selective. Like uh, I've been approached recently by um, different groups that, are, again, are pay to play, which for anyone that doesn't know, it's you pay $30, for example, you pay $30 to hang up one piece of artwork and every artwork after that is like $25, whatever it is. So you pay to hang up your artwork and then maybe you might sell something. And if you don't, you're out 30, 50, 60 bucks, whatever you paid to get in there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I rarely do those. Um, I haven't done one in years. I still say rarely just because I did at one point. And if, if something really nice comes along, I might do it, but it's chances are pretty slim, slim and nil. Um, I'm much more cognizant of my time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a lot of time to do all the comics and art that I want to. So I have to take stock of, is this going to help me do what I want to do in the next year, whatnot? Um, and if it's not, then I'm, I might not try and do it. Um, I still definitely reach out to people and try and get them to do my stuff for sure. Because, um, I'm selfish that way, <laughs> but I will, I, I also always put out the buffer and saying like, Hey, if you don't have time, please don't do this. If you're not, if you're not going to be able to do whatever it is you're doing, I don't want to take any food out of your mouth. Or if you're getting a paid job, you know, hopefully, uh, you know enough to say, Hey, I can't do your thing, Nathaniel. I'm going to do my own thing, but, um, I still reach out and, and if I can't do somebody's show, hopefully they know it's, it's, it's nothing against them. Um, probably, hundred percent of the time. I don't think I've ever not done something because I didn't like somebody. It's, it's normally, um, it's not going to work out with time or the, the idea does just doesn't suit me or I don't make that kind of work. Um, I have to, I consider all those things. Like mm -hmm. if somebody says, Hey, we're doing an erotic art show, I maybe will do something, but like, again, 90% of, or, or, or nine times out of 10 for that, like I would probably say no, because like I don't make that kind of art regularly. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to get in there. Not to say that I haven't, but like, it's just, that's just not, uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense mm. kind of a thing. Um, so art shows, love art shows. Um, that's the last art show I went to. Hmm. I went to one recently. I can't think of it though. Um, I went to the Broad. The Broad mm. was real cool. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. That's we went recently as well. Um, nice. The I can't remember the name of the the exhibit there that's, that, that's there at the moment. Creature. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was real cool. Yeah. Um, and it has uh, it's contemporary art, so it has a lot of stuff that I know I have a lot of friends that say my kids could do that or I could do that or all of that stuff, and I'm just like, hey, like yeah, but that's that's not the point with this yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, I, I love that, that kind of work. Um, mm -hmm. and the museum, that space is really interesting. Yeah. It's, um, so bizarre. I, I love the kind of like peaks that they give you into their collection. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish there was more of that. I kind of want to just sign up for, do, do, they have tours, right? Of the, the I storage space. Do, yeah. yeah. I want to yeah. sign up for one of those. Cause that like uh, the museum is cool itself, but I, I want to see the backstage now. Mm -hmm. that, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was really um, uh, growing up uh, in London where they have a lot more classical uh, mm -hmm. galleries and it was quite you know it wasn't until much later that they, I mean they they would have a lot of smaller shows in London but that for for most part that was going through Time Out and finding small shows and like 
directly aiming to to find them and right. most people would just go to the national gallery or they'd go to um the louvre well that's not it's not london but <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah that kind of thing you know Got it's it. like uh the, the the tate or something like that. okay I, I was about to ask is tate is tate not more contemporary because i want to say tate that modern is there's two tates oh okay um the the old tate um which was uh, it's more traditional. It's okay. More, you know, they they do have some. I'm trying to think. They did like an exhibit of uh, uh, Turner, Whistler, Monet, kind of mm-hmm. that that kind of period was was like the back end of it. But they have a lot more classical art there, and they okay. have a lot more um, you more know, old traditional, right, historical works. Yeah, uh, and then Tate Modern will be the one with like the Banksies and yeah, okay, and the. Um, um, what's the guy that does the, the huge uh, Rothko's and oh yeah like that, and then, oh, man. I like Rothko too yeah but the at, at the Broad I was really because I hadn't really you know I I, I knew um, I'm gonna mess up his name so badly I, my wife makes fun of me for Murakami this. no um, uh, Basquez Bis, Biscay oh Basquiat <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I cannot say his name to save my life. Um, but yeah, because I didn't, re- I you know, I didn't really know his work. I was, he wasn't. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was just taken, like my breath was taken away seeing him there. I think oh, he's awesome. so good. He's, awesome. That was the, that was the, my highlight of the Broad from awesome. when I went there. I I want I want to say I know more than I actually do about Basquiat. But like what I what I've seen of his stuff is is great. I haven't seen the the movie or the biopics mm. and there's all kinds of uh, like like stories, like shady stories about him and Warhol because they were uh both like party buddies and, yeah. and art buddies and and it was it was the 80s so there's like all kinds of drugs and people are getting diseases um but um yeah, I really I really dig his work too and like the idea the story uh, uh or or like the the kind of myth that goes along with him like just some just some random dude that uh, uh that just happened to like shoot to like this crazy superstardom um who was also just out, like out tagging his name everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh I made a comic about Basquiat which was like a historical I don't know if you call it satire but it was mm. this, it was essentially um it was a, a mini comic zine thing uh for for an art show that I was a part of in 2009 and you can find the video online it's not a great video but like I I tried my best to like document works and things and so like I painted this huge mural mm-hmm. inspired by Basquiat I had like all this torn cardboard on the wall that I nailed to the wall um I painted this mural of him uh kind of as this like action hero character and he was like fighting a ninja <laughs> and that's what the comic was about like he, uh, somebody had taken somebody had taken everything from him it was, it was essentially the comic was a uh, was a movie preview in mini comic form it was mm-hmm. like they took everything from him and now he would get and now he was going to get his revenge and and they they uh there's like different like clips in there just like like one one last time one last painting painted in blood and it's like him with like all these machine guns and he's like having ninja fights and that, that's all it was and it, the the character doesn't even really look like him um <laughs> But it was it was for this art show that was supposed to be about Basquiat, and uh, I was the only one who did anything uh, that actually f- oh, I could be wrong, but I want to say I was the only one whose uh, subject matter actually focused on Basquiat, and everybody else kind of just like did their own thing, but but kind of like uh, just kind of said that like oh it's like Basquiat because of this, which is fine. I've done my fair share of that too, but um, 
it was it was a it was a fun one because it was like right out of school and, and me and a few buddies were just like yeah this is gonna be amazing we're gonna rock this town and, <laughs> and then we went in there and we made our paintings and for sure people came in and they enjoyed it uh so it was a real good party and mm-hmm. um and that was it it was cool um but yeah basquiat uh, he's he's real fun um there's a you remember that comic that spider-man comic rain i think it was called came out about Maybe like five, six years ago, maybe like ten years ago. I don't mm, know. No. It's been a while. It's a. Uh, it was supposed to be. It was promoted as the uh, Dark Knight Returns of Spider Man. Oh right. It, it was the story of Spider Man in his like sixties, seventies, maybe or eighties, even like coming back and uh, fighting off the Sinister Sticks. And then it turns out that uh, the Venom symbiote had called an invasion down of symbiotes, and there was this huge... It was one of those. It was it, it, it was, it was old Spider-Man coming back for, for one more fight. And mm-hmm. in there, there's, there's even like a little joke in there about these kids who are tagging, and somebody's writing something, and then one of them gives the other one shit, and then, and then they're like... Uh, the other one's like, it's like, man, don't give me that. I'm, ba- I'm Basquiat over here. <laughs> but yeah. Basquiat's real cool. Um, yeah, so you like so you're a Basquiat fan. Um, what I want to say they have some pieces over at LACMA. Do you go to LACMA at all? We do. Yeah. Um, the great thing about LACMA is that it's uh, they have a that whole section for kids. So yeah. So it's really good for that, and they have a the, the membership is it's like a weird tie-in where if you go with your kids, they give you a free pass or something like that really so it's really good they the, the kids get membership for for absolutely nothing and then you nice. can come in um we did have um because they have the the dangling spaghetti yes thing so yeah. we when my daughter was younger i think she was only two maybe uh we went there and she was kind of running through that and enjoying it and it's very tactile and there's a lot like the, the whole kids section is very hands-on nice and uh, then she ran off and she ran into the main one of the main places and ran up and slapped one of the paintings <laughs> really like, yeah that's <laughs> awesome the security guard almost had a heart attack oh we my god like chasing after her to stop her but you know it's, it's, she's two and yeah she yeah. was just being told you can do you can touch all of this and then yeah so and she's like wow i can touch everything yeah. <laughs> so that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic um I didn't, uh, I haven't actually been into that kids section. Like I went in one time like years ago when it was mm-hmm. about to be renovated. They were like, oh, this is going to go away. This is going to go away. You guys got to come back. And then like, I don't have any kids, so I never went back. <laughs> but it's nice now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's real cool. Yeah. Right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good places there. And um, um, uh, what's the place where you go up in the, the little train up into the future city uh, up above the four oh, or five? M- Metropolis. Oh, oh, what? Metropolis is good. I like that. Metropolis is yeah, cool, yeah. The, it's by Chris Burden, who I was a big fan of in mm-hmm. school. Um, you're talking, is this, is this within LACMA? No, this is, oh. uh, I, my, my brain shut down with names. I got up very okay. early today. So, um, the, oh, of, of the 405. That's the Getty. Getty. Thank yes. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we go up there a lot because they've got, they, again, they've got another thing that's, uh, this whole section for kids that's very hands on and you can, so they good. have like a wall that the kids can just completely, Oh really? Just a wipe demolish. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's so smart to like have something fun like that for the families. Yeah. Gets gets people to go. Mm -hmm. Something to consider when I open my museum later. (laughs) Um, were you into underground comics or was that just something that? Um, I wasn't. Uh, when when I learned about them. 
Uh, but slowly over time, I've gotten, I've gotten to appreciate them. Like I, when I found out about, I was raised on superheroes. Mm -hmm. So finding out about underground comics, it was, uh, like almost a little jarring for me. So I was just like, I was like, why are there, like, why are there so many boobs in here? I don't like, <laughs> and, and like, like I didn't want to read them. And, and it's like slowly over time, I've read more and more. So I, I, uh, actually that underground class was taught by, uh, Spain Rodriguez, who's written like a few underground comics. Like he lived and worked with, uh, our crumb mm -hmm. apparently for a while. And, uh, he did like one of his, one of his later books was, uh, uh this book about Che Guevara, uh, the revolutionary. Um, I've read as far as like underground stuff. I haven't read, I haven't read as much as I should have. Um, why you're a fan? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, like zap or wait, is that, is it zap? Yeah. Yes. Cool. And, um, I was really into, uh, freak brothers and, mm. um, it was uh, underground comics was weird because in the UK, the, yeah, we we would go to the equivalent of a newsstand or a convenience store there, and mm -hmm. they would just have comics in there. And it was, you know, it was always Marvel and DC stuff. Right. But then every now and then they would just dump random comics there, and you'd go in and it'd be like, oh look, there's Lone Wolf and Cub. And uh, really, yeah. And oh great. And I remember finding like a, a whole bunch of just completely out there. <laughs> um, stuff underground stuff that really I don't know how it got into the, the right. bundle that month, but it was it was there and I was like, it was, oh, this stuff is it was part of a bundle, like it was mm -hmm. packaged in there and everything. No, it wasn't packaged. They, they used to just have like uh, one of the news agents that I went to. They would just have a, a rubber band, an elastic band. Oh, I see, I see. And, Got it. Um, and it would just be that you know it was stuff that hadn't been sold from whichever warehouse they got their stuff from. And oh, interesting. In there. Yeah, but I always liked that. Um, uh, I think because a lot of the superhero stuff I read was reprinted, mm -hmm. so it was black and white. Oh, really? So I was never. I didn't realize reprints were black and white. Yeah, a lot of them were, um, and I because of that, I don't think I have the same kind of um, uh, the, the the same memory of comics as having to be bright colors. Yeah, that. yeah. So it didn't it wasn't that much of a step away to, it was just another form of storytelling right. as far as I was concerned. It wasn't right. like, a, oh, wow, look at this. Yeah, this. that makes sense. I, they were, they were uh, when I was first going to conventions and I would see all these like, uh, like independent creators like yourself and, and, and I at, uh, at tables, um, I wasn't interested in looking at their stuff because again, very, very introverted, uh, raised on superheroes. Uh, but when I would look at it, I would see that it was black and white. And I was like, why didn't these guys like go for color? Like, I don't, <laughs> it's much more interesting in color. I don't know like what's going on here, but like, uh, no, there's a, a, like, I had no idea that they weren't printed in black in, in color when they were reprinted around the world. Hmm. Um, that makes sense. You're going to save some money. Yeah. Um, but, um, but uh, more in more recent years, of course, like I've learned to appreciate that. But that's that's just like commonplace everywhere. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's strange because I you the the books that you put out have a real like you, it's they're they're very seeped in that kind of underground um, mm. uh, approach. You know, it's like you, you like you were saying about the mini comics, you actually cut them out yourself and fold them up and right. make them and right. Um, I. Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I'll just like lie and tell people I was. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I grew up reading Zap. <laughs> Fuck everything, like Spider Man. Um, no, um, that's that's probably because uh, 
in in college when I started making my own minis like Dark Mouse or, or the Basquiat book or mm-hmm. uh, oh man one of my friends he messaged me he said hey I found this comic that you made a few years ago and he sent it to me and I looked at it and I was so embarrassed I'm not gonna say what it was but I was so I was like oh my god that's like only a college age idiot would make that comic <laughs> and I was I was like you know, I, did, I didn't text back to him this but I like in my heart I thought never send this to anybody uh, or anybody else um, but I, I want to say it's because I was very into a few different artists uh, during during art school uh, or during school uh, when I was when I was studying art uh, one of them being uh, this guy David Cho, who's a who's a real big. Are you familiar? Mm-mm. He's a he's a um, he made a name for himself as, as being kind of a street artist, a graffiti artist. He was never very big on like tagging a name and, and like the colorful letters and the stylized letters, things like that. That's not what he did. Mm-hmm. He would go out and and graffiti and vandalize as much as possible. Um, but he would also. Uh, he would be making drawings. He wouldn't be writing messages and fancy letters or scripts. He would be drawing figures and people and portraits, and they were fast and they were messy and they weren't uh, they weren't precious at all. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I had always been taught to draw something and and render it and make it look nice and polished and all of this. And when I found artists like him or him, um, I realized that this, uh, this character is having success without doing that. He doesn't need to do that. All he cares about is really the message, which gets back to that idea of just like having this simple idea mm. and communicating that. And if you can, if you can make this message and people understand that message, then that's a success. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. And uh, you don't have to frame it. doesn't have to look clean. doesn't have to look nice. Even, um, if they got the idea, then you did your job. Um, so I was, um, very okay with just kind of like messy work mm-hmm. and, um, uh, kind of scrawled out stuff, which is why I was putting out, uh, like little zines like that, because that's all, uh, it was the shortest, quickest way to make my message and then, uh, uh put it out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, like I've, I've learned to appreciate the, the cleaner stuff or, or, or at the very least framing my work <laughs> and making it, <laughs> making, making it more presentational. Um, I can, I, uh, I, I, I see, I see a better balance of those two things, but, uh, yeah, like even, uh, uh, for a while, um, um, uh, Carl, mm-hmm. who, who we both know, uh, Carl Altstetter, um, who, like I met, I met a couple of times at conventions and he had like tweeted or like, like put out, uh, like retweeted or something, of, of like mine and Evan stuff. And he was, he was like, like, Hey, check these guys out. They're doing an art dog style. And we were like, we we're like, yeah, man, see, you don't have to do like nice clean stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's, there's two sides to every coin. Uh, uh like you're going to take that to conventions. People aren't going to buy that because, uh, or most people aren't going to buy that because it doesn't look like a nice, clean, polished comic book that's mm-hmm. been manufactured by this company with way more money than you have. Uh, and then, but then there are those other people who will show up like, what, you made this cardboard box, like you turn this cardboard box inside out and then you put your own stamp on it. Now it's your own product and packaging. That's great. And when I open it up, I can see that it used to be a pencil box or whatever it was. Um, so like two sides to every, uh, to every coin, but that's, uh, that, that's why I was making stuff like that. The, that was just, those were my, my influences at that point. They would just happen to be, 
uh, people who made stuff similar to art underground comics. Um, mm-hmm. I was very into Banksy at the time. I was I was going out and uh, vandalizing uh, uh, stuff in not in my city, but like in neighboring cities in the Inland Empire. Like I would go out and paint stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't grow up on underground comics, but I did make my own underground comics for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I still I still make the zines. Um, I don't vandalize anymore. Um, <laughs> I would like to. That <laughs> sounds so nice. Um, I just like I could never get into it. Like I like for the the years that I was doing it, I was n- I was never comfortable. Mm-hmm. I was never I was never really having fun. I was just kind of doing it just to say I did it. Um, because I was like a young male and I wanted to feel like a badass. And then, uh, I did it and like stuff got painted over real quickly and I was fine with that. I was, I understood the medium, like you can't go out and paint and expect it to stay there, especially since nobody asked you to put it there in the first place. Um, so you have to be okay with that. But like, it, like the whole time I was just like, I'm going to get in trouble. Everything's going to be ruined, this and that. <laughs> and so like, I'm just like this nervous, awkward, introverted comic book nerd out there painting walls. And we're just like, this isn't fun. I'm going home and I'm going to re- read some comics or make some, <laughs> make some comics. Uh, have you been using is, uh, issue, 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 issue? Issue, yeah. yeah. I, I've never actually heard it uh, uh, pronounced or said out loud, but issue is issuu.com. It is an online um, publication maker, reader, social network. Um, they probably have a better tagline, but uh, online <laughs> you can you can make your own magazines or comics or books on this uh, uh, website called Issue, and um, it's real easy. Mm. Yeah. And does that tie into that that mindset of you have an idea and you can get it out really quickly for you or is it just the... Yeah, 100%, 100%, I think, just because, uh, like I say, it's it's real easy to do. Um, I can make a comic. I can scan the pages. I can upload them into my computer. I can arrange everything and fix anything that I don't like. And I can put it all together and put it up online and then everybody can see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. not everybody sees it because not everybody knows me or is interested in what I'm making, but um, at least I can share it at that point. And there are some that get more reads than others. Dark Mouse is my most popular uh, book online or uh, uh, document online, whatever you want to call it. They're all, uh, you can download a lot of stuff off that website as PDFs or as, um, not as Word documents, but you can do it, different document file types. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an online magazine reader creator thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it makes it easy to make a comic and put it out into the world. And um, when I started doing that, I started in 2011, 12. Wow, I've been putting comics online for a minute. Um, <laughs> I was doing it uh, at first. I wasn't doing it regularly, but um, I started doing it uh, once a month a couple of years ago, like two or three years ago to with the idea of making consistent work and having a portfolio and saying like these are uh being able to tell people like go here read my comics these are my comics online this is what i make this is what i do um and i've built up um a decent decent amount of works where i can pick and choose my best or my favorite and i can send these off to uh, other comics people like hey check it out these are the comics i'm making uh i have like i have the shadow people on here mm-hmm. or shadow people are here in a I have split it up over three books and I have a uh, one unlisted uh, link, which actually I sent you earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have that one on there as well. So I have all my books that, 
that I'm selling physically as unlisted links. And whenever I sell out of those copies, I put them up online for free because I sold all my books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've been using it for a minute. I like it. Um, actually, uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and where else can people find you online? Where else can you? They can find me at idraw.com, which is E-Y-E-D as in dog, R-A-U-G-H.com. That's uh, that's my website. You can find me at idraw. That's my handle over Instagram, Twitter, um, Tumblr. Um, I don't have too many people on Tumblr just because it's, uh, admittedly, it's just a feed of my Instagram. Like everything just goes there. Um, but it's there. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's my website. That's my online incarnations. Um, yeah, that's where they can find me. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'll, uh, I'll put some links up in the, uh, the show notes, but thank you. Thanks yeah. for coming down. Definitely. No problem. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am. (laughs) 